and welcome to King Jong Nam Majors, everybody's oh favorite podcast about everybody's favorite, very alive politician, King Jong Nam. Um, yep. Here, let me let me quick check Twitter, Twitter before I take a big sip of this Coca Cola and up. Spit take. Oh my God, Coke, Diet Coke everywhere. Oh God. I didn't have the heart to tell you, Tom. <laughs> It's a good thing I had that bowl of grapes for me to spit Diet Coke into. Yeah, what was great about this is that it's a hyper-specific point in time that will forever date when we're recording this. Yes. <laughs> uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to not this weird podcast, but Media Majors, the show where you hear stories from major media in a major way. I'm yep. Liam Sr., and I tell stories related to movies and TV shows. Majorly. And I'm Major Tom Lockney. No, I'm not in the military. Nope. My name is Tom Lockney, and I tell stories uh, from video games and internet culture. And Liam, I believe that you are starting us off this week. It is, Tom. The sitcom, or situation comedy, is one of the quintessential forms of American humor. Starting in 1947 with Mary Kay and Johnny... Sitcoms have been dominating TV for 70 years. Uh, I've never watched Mary Kate and Johnny. It's not what our story's about. Probably isn't very good. I've seen Mary Kate and Ashley. Obviously the same people. Yeah. Because they were around in the 40s. But it wasn't until the 50s with I Love Lucy and its production company, that production company Desilu, which was Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, the stars and real life husband and wife, uh, that sitcoms became what they are they invented the multi-cam format which is having multiple cameras uh saved so you can make cuts even though it's you know from a live stage recording uh the idea of canning laughter and the idea of reruns were all from them so sitcoms they're the bread and butter butter of american tv and they can do some weird shit so today we're gonna start a new series called weird sitcoms being weird where i'll come talk about uh, just three. I'm going to stick to three. If I do this again, it'll be another three. Here are some weird shit three sitcoms did. I remember I watched Fuller House. Well, I don't know why I did, but I watched Fuller House when it came out. I did, I too. I haven't even seen Full House. Why did I watch Fuller House? See, I've seen both. None of it made any sense. And that show went into some fucking weird places, like the time they all got naked and jumped into oil drums full of tomato soup. I'm not fucking joking. That's not a bit. But we're not talking about Fuller House. Maybe some other day. We'll start with Frasier. Frasier is great. It's an American sitcom on NBC, broadcasting for 11 seasons, premiering in September 16th, 1993, and concluded in 2004. It was a spinoff of Cheers, and it's considered to be the most successful spinoff of all time. Kelsey Grammer actually played the character of Frasier Crane for almost 20 years from one show oh to another. Oh my god. Can you imagine? That's a long time to do anything. One of the characters was Daphne Moon, Frasier's live-in housekeeper and physical therapist, to Frasier's dad, Martin. Jane Leaves, the actress, got pregnant during the show. These things happen. Yeah. And the writers are usually good with coming up ways to write around it. Uh, for example, they'll usually just say that the character got pregnant. They'll hide the character with large objects that uh, this hide growth. Or just usually they cough to her being pregnant. Yeah. But what did Frasier do? They sent Daphne Moon to fat camp. 
Excuse me? So they couldn't write that she'd been pregnant because she had just started dating Niles, and it was like a big will they or won't they? Um, so what they did was say that uh, she was so stressed from dating Niles that she overate herself and had to go to fat camp. And they send her off to fat camp just when the maternity leave hits. That's, uh... Isn't that fucking weird? That's a, that's an interesting choice. So, uh, that's just a little sorbet of weirdness. Mm. How did that, how did that taste? Yeah, a nice little creamy on the palate. Creamy on the palate. Shouldn't be creamy, it's a sorbet, so I don't know what I just served you then. Oh, well, Oh boy. Uh, have you ever heard of the show Till Death? Is, wait, that's with the guy from Everybody Loves Raymond. Yes. Till Death was on Fox uh, from September 7th, 2006 to June 20th, uh, 2010. And it centered on Eddie and Joyce Stark and their life and relationship after 23 years of marriage. Well, that was the first two seasons. Uh, the second season introduces a, a new character, Eddie. And then in the third season... Oh, Eddie is played by J.B. Smooth. And uh, he's the main... I don't know who that is, but from that name I oh sorry sorry he's kenny a bit kenny. of a lady killer kenny is uh jb smooth is a black comedian he's from curb your enthusiasm oh he's really funny so he was brought on as uh brad garrett's brother doesn't make any sense because they're different races what are we gonna do and the third season just has uh kenny moving in with them for no reason and then the fourth season kenny's gone the couple's daughter Allie moves in this she'll be recast a total of five times twice during this <laughs> season and her husband doug now live in the backyard doug has remained the same the, actor in the backyard they live in a biodiesel hut in the backyard uh, okay why not doug has sa- stayed the same actor for all four seasons so the daughter his wife has been five different actresses okay that must be very jolting for that character. So something weird happened in the fourth season. It went to this guy uh, named Don Rio, who uh, was a veteran comedy producer and sometimes was really smart. And he decided to make Doug aware that he was on a TV show. You know what? I'm not here to yuck somebody's yum. I'm not a. I'm not some filthy yum yucker. Okay. So the Doug Liam. story. Just get. Just wait. The Doug story arc was more unexpected things on TV, including the character riffing on the generic brands that other characters were using, the other characters joking about how if they were a sitcom, they'd be in a time slot where no one would watch them, then Doug realizing that he couldn't swear or have any sex because he's on a sitcom, (laughs) and then grappling with the fact that his wife had been recasted five times. Oh my god. Including one time while he's aware they're on a show... But then being okay with it, because his new wife is friskier in the bedroom, but then realizing that he can't actually have sex, so it's still, like, getting the rug pulled out from under him. That show got pretty meta, didn't it? They The parents are so concerned, they send him to a therapist, played by Mayim Bialik, who is from Blossom, also on Big Bang Theory, who is mm-hmm. then gradually revealed to actually be the actress Maya Bialik, who was filming a reality show based on her practice to further disorient Doug. Wow. And then they said that she might have just been her character from Blossom all grown up. That's fucking intense. That's some Timmy Westfall-verse shit. 
this only made up about like a quarter of the actual season in this normal weird sitcom about two people who are married to each other and cannot stand to be in the same room there's this small little play this oubliette of a man (laughs) grappling with the fact that he doesn't actually exist wow fucking write your academic paper on that they so what happened was when the show was picked up it was part of this deal overall deal fox had trying to get this show into syndication syndication is when you get 100 episodes and it had like this weird deal where even though no one watched it it kept getting renewed because it was so cheap to make and it kept switching hands and writers so that's why everything was so consistent so they finally brought in this like weird older loner weirdo who just like wrote this strange story huh i like that you know it's Dude, kind of like, weird it, that's that's kind of an adult swim attitude where it's like we've got this thing and like nobody kind of cares so like let's just do some weird shit with it the only thing is it's on a it's on fox on a network and it's done really bad oh yeah i would imagine oh yeah so and our final sitcom family matters do you know family matters i i know the title and i think i confused it uh for family guy when i was a very young child so Family Matters is a sitcom that had premiered on ABC from 89 to 97 and then moved to CBS for its last couple of seasons. It was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers. Uh, I think, I believe the character Carl Winslow was on that. He's like a Chicago beat cop. Oh, Carl Winslow. I shot a kid. Yeah, that guy from Die Hard. Yeah. That's not his real name. His name is uh, Reginald Val Johnson. Yes, yes, I'm aware. And he was <laughs> he's the cop on Family Matters, and it was supposed to be a blue-collar Cosby show. Uh, sort of like a, like a middle-class African-American family struggling to make ends meet in Illinois. I'm sorry, what did, what did you say? In where now? Illinois. Illinois. Okay. Yeah. Did I say it'll Illinois by accident? Yes, you did. And I, want, I, do, I do want to tell you that S is a ghost S. You do not pronounce it. So partway through the first season, the show introduced the Winslow's nerdy neighbor, Steve Urkel, played by Jaleel White. Yeah. And it became the show's breakout character. As some some might know Jaleel White, voice of Sonic, Sonic the, the Hedgehog, Hedgehog in not one, but two Sonic cartoons in the 90s. Yep. Gotta go fast. Don't step on my territory, Tom. <laughs> Excuse me. So halfway through the show's run steve urkel was such a big hit he became the main character he actually changed the dna of the show did i do that so a story engine is a really important part of a television show uh it is like the thing that you're gonna come back to every week tom what are what's some of your favorite what's a, a tv show that you like uh the mabim bam show or true detective season one True Detective Season 1. So the story engine is like, how are these two guys going to solve the case? The story engine of the Bim Bam Show is like, how are these brothers going to uh, like give the advice? The story engine for Family Matters was like, you know, can Carl balance work and family? And then the story engine became, how can Steve torment Carl? Ah, good. I love that. Here are some of the episode pitches from the later seasons. And I'll show what you mean, though. This show just completely lost its way. Little big guy. Urkel's transformation machine shrinks him and Carl down. Listeners, you can't see this, but I'm doing the, the white guy blinking meme from Giant Bomb. Imagine you just tuned in just to see the 
family squabbles of a, of a show similar to your real life. And what happens? Pinsenti Verkel shrinks everybody down. Honey, I Shrunk Carl Winslow. Is the YouTube video title of that episode, I believe. Wait, are you fucking serious? Nope. That scene is on YouTube and it's under that title. Oh my god. <laughs> More episodes. Robo Nerd 2. This is the second episode featuring Urkel's life-size Urkelbot. Yes, he built a robot version of himself. Okay. And he makes this one a crime-fighting robot, so Carl can use it. Is this this is a RoboCop thing, right? I don't think so, because it's a Wait, family sitcom. But he says Urkel Cop. Urkel Bot. Urkel Bot. Okay. Urkel Bot. RoboCop. Tomato. Tomato. Another episode. Father Time. They go back in time, because Urkel you. built a time travel machine. Um, does it end with them getting their ass eat by dinosaurs? No, Carl tells himself to invest in stocks. It's super lame. Oh, what? Come on. Stevel, a wooden ventriloquist dummy of Urkel that Urkel makes, comes to life and scares everyone. Yo, apparently I gotta watch fucking Family Matters. Stevel 2! Oh my god. Now there's a Carl dummy called Carlsbad. Wait, what? I mean, Christ, it's called, his name is Carlsbad. Oh my god. Wait, doesn't this television show end with Urkel? Tom, we're gonna get there. A pirate's life for me. Another time travel episode, but now they're pirates. That's fun. Lost in space. The two-part finale where Urkel goes into space. That's how they ended the show. Here's the kicker and the end to my story. Urkel was only supposed to be on one episode. And now you know the the rest rest of of the the story. story. And that's the first installment of sitcoms doing weird sitcom things. That worked, right? Those were three pretty weird things. That got pretty fucking bizarre. Yeah, that was a good build. I I had totally... Because, you know, I, I listened to a lot of... I consume a lot of media. I knew that Family Matters, like, ends in a just completely crazy way. That's so weird, isn't it? Yeah. That the thing that we understand as jumping the shark is is the Fonz literally jumping over a shark. In Hollywood Family Part Matters, 3 of Happy Days. Yeah, when Family Matters did that to the nth degree. A lot of shows did, uh, did that. And if you look back, the Jumping the Shark episode isn't even that bad. So, yeah, uh, we got a new theme song. So, yay, I made it. I'm happy with it. But, yeah, we're aware. It's probably super weird to hear the theme song and not have us talk about it. I don't think they addressed it on um, other podcasts I've listened to where they changed the theme. Yeah, well, just in case. Cool. Tom? All right. Liam? Let's. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Y'all get ready. Milo Yiannopoulos. Milo Yiannopoulos is a British man, and he's the fucking worst. And that's all you need to know about him. And he is currently in the process of crashing and burning, professionally and personally. And I don't know about y'all... I don't know if you listened to the Gamergate episode, the live app. I've been looking forward to this for years. Fuck Milo Yiannopoulos. I'm going to get mad, and I'm going to get mean. Because my story today 
is a celebration of every single one of Milo Yiannopoulos' failures. I'm so happy. Guys, it is a... I just want to say thank you so much for going on this journey through Bummertown with us. This is one of the few times oh. where we get to be in Joyfulville. So We come out from the depths. This is... This is like a fucking classic episode. We've got Liam talking silly TV and Tom fucking laying some fucks and truths. Here we go. He is, and, and know this, this is maybe the most, the, the truest thing about Milo Yiannopoulos is that he is an idiot. And he first begins stumbling through life by dropping out of not one, but two colleges, deciding that, I guess, an English degree was just too hard. Now, if you have dropped out of college, there is no shame with that. College is not for everyone. Um, but fuck Milo Yiannopoulos. He's a moron. And an English degree? Dog, you couldn't get an English degree? I have an English degree. Let me tell you how easy it is to get an English degree. How it's easy really, is it? It's really easy. It's real fucking easy. I kind of wish that I had gotten a degree other than an English degree, because then maybe I would have actually learned something in college. Christopher Nolan has an English degree. Uh, during his college years, by the way, he was known for being fond of speeches by Hitler and for wearing the Iron Cross around campus. Oh, what a cool dude! Yeah, what, what a, a great cool guy! Dude with a cool and awesome style. I'm sure. I'm sure that the, the his college communities were were just. Super wrenched into when when he left uh he then starts to get into journalism writing for several uh several christian blogs good start bro i hope your church liked your scree until 2011 he works for the telegraph a tech website which is odd because milo clearly doesn't know shit about technology in 2011 he founds the kernel a website dedicated to dumb shit written by assholes, run by scumbags. Its mission statement is to, is to quote, fix European tech journalism. Oh, good. Because if there's one thing... Yeah, when we've, we've, when we've brought on the technology, we're mostly talking about how, like, sleek and cool everything is. But for yeah. not ta we're not talking about how terrible women and Jews are enough, I guess. That's, yeah. that's where a lot of the beef comes from. That's exa I mean, that's exactly what that website was. You um, know, a lot of times I'm reading about, like, a new fancy watch and I'm not thinking, but where's the anti-Semitism? <laughs> I want to buy this, but I want to know I'm supporting hatred. Because he's a fucking moron who thinks uh, he thinks that he can get away with not paying his fucking writers. Yeah, because that always works. People love Tom. People love doing stuff for freezies. Yeah, that's my favorite part of postgrad. The website is forced to close its doors under heavy debt, owing former contributor Jason Hess literal thousands of pounds, assigned in court proceedings. Yikes. Yeah, because he didn't pay these people. Um, multiple other writers complained of being screwed over, not just professionally, but personally as well. Milo denies this um, and then goes on to blame one contributor, Anonymous, in particular for damaging the site and then proceeds to blackmail this person using photos he's obtained, God knows how, uh, when they demand payment for their work. 
Jesus fucking Christ. Something that is a sticking point with me with the way that this gets reported on is a lot of websites say that, like, Milo Yiannopoulos threatens to release emails and photos of a particular contributor to, to, to make them back off. And, like, yo, guys, that's the fucking dictionary definition of blackmail. Yeah. Call it goddamn blackmail. Or what's the, um, the, like, legal... T- extortion. He's extorting them. Which is a, um... Con- Tom, what's that called? A, um... Uh, a crime, a crime. A bad. It's yeah, it's a, a felony bad. is what a felony. it is. Yeah. Turns out the company was just flat out not making money under his leadership. He is forced to pay out of pocket to pay many of his employees when the kernel shutters itself. He sells the kernel and it is found a new home with the Daily Dot. It has a more liberal voice now, even running anti-Gamergate articles. So, he creates this website. It does so fucking poorly under his leadership that he literally does not have the capital to pay these people and has to do so out of pocket. (laughs) Um, Oh, man, that sucks. And then it becomes the very thing that he was trying to, quote-unquote, fix, which was liberal, socially aware tech journalism. Yeah, but I'm still, like, I want to, I'm looking at this car, but I want to know that it takes black people. So, let's move on to his next total embarrassment, working for Breitbart. I don't know if y'all know about Breitbart, about fucking Breitbart. Breitbart's real bad. It's, it's like, dangerous journalism, but more than anything else, it's bad journalism. After failing twice to get an English degree and then failing to run a journalist outlet, he moves on to America's home for failed and shitty writers, Breitbart. As though to prove my point, mm. Milo writes almost none of what appears with his byline. Did you know about this? No, I didn't. What he's well, what he has written, because he has written a few things, is not great. I've read some of it, and I can see why he was unable to obtain an English major after multiple goes of it. Uh, most of his pieces are written by quote-unquote interns, which is maybe a generous word. Evidently, it's mostly just dudes from 4chan researching ah, yes. and writing his pieces for him. Most of this pool of guess how many interns. Guess how many people it takes to write one Milo Yiannopoulos piece. 69. You're kind of close, dog. 44. Oh, no. 44 okay. people. Only 25 off. 44 people. Get research, write, and edit these things, and then it passes by multiple Breitbart editors, and this shit still can't get it together. Jesus Christ. Fucking ridiculous. Most of this pool of 44 interns are not paid at all, continuing Milo's streak of not understanding how income for work goes. In defense of this, he says that, quote-unquote, ghostwriting is too strong a word to describe this process and claims that this practice is, quote, completely standard. Yo, as somebody who's a writer who knows a decent amount of the biz, uh, this shit is not completely standard by any stretch of the imagination. He's just a talentless hack. Can you see how fucking fired up I am? (laughs) I'm just enjoying it. It's hard to make, it's hard to, like, make jokes because I'm so happy with how everything's going. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, well, that's the thing. It's hard to it's hard to make jokes about a joke. Yeah. Then comes Gamergate, literally the only reason he's relevant at all mm-hmm. today. Now, I'm going to brush past a lot of this because this isn't a Gamergate episode. I probably will do a Milo Yiannopoulos Gamergate episode 
but but this isn't that. Uh, so I'll just give you the broad strokes. A movement desperate for leaders found one in Milo Yiannopoulos. There is nothing special about what he was able to do with Gamergate. There's a lot of people who go like, you know, you got to hand it to him. He really, he really figured out how to manipulate these people. Yeah, shocker. He figured out how to manipulate the, the most easily manipulated sect of the American population. Uh, a, 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 people, a group of people so fucking stupid and so willing to, to throw their banner behind anybody who supported them that was even mildly famous that they tricked themselves into thinking that Adam Baldwin, Adam fucking Baldwin, was a good actor. All Milo had to do to get famous was dance a little bit for them, and dance he did. He cha-cha'd all over the place. Yeah. Yo, he did the fucking, he did the fucking bigot Macarena. One such dance consisted of hosting a talk on 8chan. Oh, 8chan, the website for pedophiles. Yeah, explicitly created for the discussion and distribution of child pornography. In fact... One of his most popular Gamergate articles pulled ideas and sources from 8chan. Huh. Seems like he really likes this website made for child porn. Keep that in mind for later. Uh, and I want to quickly pause uh, on the on the stories. <laughs> Liam is frozen in time. Don't it? Don't move. Don't move until I say you can move. I've skipped over a large portion of Milo's story, which which are his uh, victims, not just the big ones, like Zoe Quinn and Leslie Jones, who I'll get to in a minute, but all the women, uh, people of color, and LGBTQ+, uh, trans folk specifically, who were both directly and indirectly the victims of his attacks. I've skipped over this for a couple reasons. Uh, I'll talk about a lot of them in a Gamergate-centric episode, which will take quite some time. Um, and I want this story to be about trashing Milo Yiannopoulos, clearly. I, I want this to be an anthology of his failures, and he can be allowed no victories in this storytelling. Um, but, you know, I wanted to address the fact that there, there were victims a lot, um, and that there stories are inextricably tied to his narrative and they have to be acknowledged even if they're not my focus because it's satisfying that he's failed so much but these failures came at a, a a great cost and we should take a second to remember that so that being said unpause let's get back to ripping on this asshole this second rate dbz villain looking ass motherfucker a Tucker Max with a dash of glitter. He also fails to understand when he's failing and when he's pushing the boundaries too far, even for those who support him. So I'm going to talk about Twitter. Twitter briefly suspends his account when he changes his bio to read BuzzFeed's social justice editor. He also loses his verified checkmark the following month, likely due to his regular engagement in online harassment. How did he get his checkmark just because he wrote some articles for Breitbart? Pretty much. Yeah, it's it's not that hard to get verified these days. He weeps that Twitter is wiping out conservative thought on the platform when that flat out is not fucking true. Anybody who uses Twitter today knows that it is rife with literal Nazis. It's it's They're yeah. everywhere. It's like Germany in the 30s over on Twitter right now. It's, you can't throw a fucking boot and a Nazi doesn't come out. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I found the problem with the foundation. You've got Nazis in your basement. They're chewing at everything. It's terrible down there. You better, uh, you gotta do something about that. It's my German exterminator character. Yeah. This means that even fucking Twitter hates this guy. Because he's so goddamn annoying. That's the thing. He's not even likable. He's suspended again after making some pretty whack comments about the Orlando Pulse shooting. Oh, fun. Yeah. Uh, then he finally goes too far in 2016 when he encourages his followers to harass Leslie Jones, who you'll know as the black lady from the Ghostbusters reboot. Uh, as well as her many SNL performances. and She's a cast member. Yeah. Or I just knew her from Ghostbusters, yeah. She's a cast member on SNL and a stand-up comedian. Um, he is given the hard ban and is off Twitter for good. Now, by the way, um, still fuck Twitter because the only reason they did this is because Leslie Jones is a high enough profile person uh, for them to get bad PR when Milo harasses somebody. Uh, again, you know, I mentioned earlier... Lots of people directly and indirectly affected by him were not just the big names, but also little folks, too. So he pitches a fit. He calls Twitter cowards, even though he'd called them uh, cowards mere days before for not banning him. He's just a baby who wants everybody to love him. No, he's not a baby. He's like 34 fucking years old. He's just a shithead. Fuck him. D uh, yeah, don't believe that uh, garbage Lori penny piece he is absolutely upset that twitter has him banned he went on to be like oh i'm so excited i knew this was gonna happen and this is great i'll just succeed i'll just blow up more um but that's not true because he's sort of been fading in popularity recently which is why you know he's been more willing to appear on something like bill maher uh fuck bill maher fuck bill maher he didn't do he didn't do that hacky like we're going to find commonality across parties shit until he lost his platform, which is also why uh, shortly after losing his Twitter account, he decides to, and I'm going to use a word that I don't like here. Um, he decides to organize and go on his dangerous faggot tour. You don't like the word dangerous. It's, it's just speaking because he craves the attention uh, and, and not the negative attention. I think that's a great myth of Milo Yiannopoulos, is everybody who says, no, 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 don't give him negative attention. You're just feeding the troll. That's not true. Yeah, everybody always says don't feed the trolls. Um, if you look at uh, TV appearances that he's had, especially early on in his career, there's an interview with Boy George where the people actually debate him as opposed to Bill Maher, who basically sucks him off on TV. Uh, they 69. He, he does not react well. The, yeah, there's, the, there's an interview on the 10 o'clock something. Uh, it's a BBC program uh, where he debates Boy George on legalizing gay marriage. And he straight up at one point looks like he's about to cry because people are actually debating him and doing a pretty good job of it. Negative attention is not what trolls want. Ne they they scream out so that way other people can go ha 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 you showed it to those cucks so that's why he goes on his his tour so he can get off on the positive attention from fuckhead bigots who laugh when he outs trans people and harasses them so bad that they have to leave campus that's the thing that happened or when he outs undocumented students 
on campus. That's another thing. That was the purpose of his tour. It was not some fucking free speech thing. It was oh, to oust students. Let's get back on message. Let's get back on message. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck this fucker. guy. His next, his next great failure, uh, and one that he might actually end up paying big bucks for, is his 2016 privilege grant scam. Set up as an anti-affirmative action grant. Good, good. <laughs> oh, fantastic Just idea. idea. Perfect. Of that. Perfect. Uh, how do you? How do you? Who do you pitch? What? Co- who would take that? Who in their right mind hears anti-affirmative action and goes, "Yeah, those are three A's I can get behind." Here's the thing: I haven't even gotten to the best part yet. Also, what is it with racists trying to get behind just three of the same letter? A A A K K K. Come on. The Yiannopoulos Privilege Grant <laughs> planned to disperse $52,500 grants to, <laughs> quote, disadvantaged, I can't even say, disadvantaged white men. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Good. No, they needed help. Yeah, all those, the most all those... helped in the list of the most helped people. It goes advantaged white men, disadvantaged white men, everybody else. Yeah, all those disadvantaged, uh, those disenfranchised white dudes. Oh God, uh, those grants uh, to assist their tertiary expenses in the 2016 to 17 academic year. A hundred grants during the following year, and 200 after that. Um, so this is a this is a long term thing. A lot of people, himself included, have said, "Oh, it was just a joke to piss off the liberals." But no, there was like a long term plan here. Strangely enough, August twenty sixteen rolls around, and no grants are paid. That's weird. That's strange. How on earth are all those disadvantaged white men gonna make it now? The former bursary manager of the grant speaks out. A uh, bursary is when you take uh, donations to a grant and transfer it into, uh, or into like that grant money that gets passed out to individuals partaking in it. Yeah. So the former bursary manager of the grant speaks out, saying that the grant was mismanaged and that she left after not receiving payment for her work. Weird, isn't it? Weird how that works. Weird how that's. Almost identical. I'll tell to you the this, kernel. Lockney. It doesn't add up. There's a grant, and there's people applying for the grant, and then there's no money. This is a mystery. This is a Sherlock Holmes mystery. Yeah, and it's so strange that that a man who has a history of not being able to run a business and not paying his employees um, would then run a business that is apparently mismanaged and not pay an employee. Feels like Weird. Milo is a kind of in the moment thinker. Yeah. Problem? Yiannopoulos missed the deadline to turning donations into bursaries. I think I know why he dropped out of college. He just never turned in an assignment. Uh, He blames a busy schedule, denies claims that he has spent the money personally, and claims that the grant will take effect in 2017. I guess we'll just have to wait and see, Liam. Well, it's almost been two months into 2017. So far, nothing. Uh, critics also noted that this scam shadowed Trump's similar uh, veteran donation scam. So uh, I wouldn't hold your breath, disadvantaged white men. Which brings us to today, or rather, Ooh. just a few days ago, oh. when a video resurfaced 
of Milo ah, yes. Yiannopoulos endorsing pedophilia. The ultimate shock position. Yeah. Um, it comes from a 2015 appearance on Joe Rogan's podcast. Joe Rogan's a comedian is maybe a strong word. He's no, no. Here's what Joe Joe Rogan is a big bully jock who takes a lot of psychedelics and because of that thinks he has the right to be a big bully jock because he's deep. Yeah. And and let's let's be clear here. Milo Yiannopoulos on that podcast made a legitimate endorsement of pedophilia. He uh, apologizes later and he says two things in his apology that I want to quickly address. The first thing that he says in his apology is that he was sexually abused as a younger man and that this comment was simply a manifestation of that. Hey, Milo, dude, that sucks. Uh, but you don't just get carte blanche to endorse pedophilia. That's not a fucking excuse. Uh, and, and as well as all the all the alt-right wingers and crazy conservatives on the internet. Um, I shouldn't use the word crazy. Uh, all the, the evil conservatives like Sargon of Akkad and the Amazing Atheist who are like, listen, you can't criticize him because he was molested. And so when he endorses pedophilia, that's okay. And that's right. Um, fuck that. That's fucked up and shitty. And two, the second thing that Milo says in his apology is that he was joking. Uh, let's let's be clear, he was not. He does make a joke at the tail end of of this this fucking ghoulish monologue uh, or dialogue rather, um, and only when prompted by Joe Rogan when when Rogan asks, "Whoa, hey man, are you endorsing pedophilia?" Uh, Milo's comments say that it's unfair that adult-child relationships, explicitly sexual ones too, by the way, he makes that very clear. Basically, he says that adult-child, child being 13 and the relationship being explicitly sexual, um, relationships can be perfectly natural if not beneficial. He, he, he specifically says it is good for the maturation of the child as, as a person. Um, not just sexually. Um, and you know what? Weird. Where have I heard all this before? Oh, yeah, that's right. Shit like this is all over 8chan, the pedophile website. That's it. Joe Rogan is taken aback and asks Milo if he's endorsing pedophilia. Milo makes a joke about, he says, well, you know what? I wouldn't be so good at giving head if it hadn't been for Father Johnston or whatever. That's his joke. It's the rest... Joke. Yeah, that's that's his joke. The rest of it great, is like a very joke. serious, like like that is that is like a a view that he expressed, and it is an endorsement of pedophilia. Also, some people say that's not technically pedophilia. Pedophilia is attraction to prepubescence, and to that I say, go fuck yourself. If you're engaging in a semantic argument to defend saying adults should be able to fuck thirteen year olds, go fuck yourself <laughs> in a box in the woods. In underground forever. Filled with spider ants. Filled with fucking fire ants. Fuck yourself. Despite apologizing, he is disinvited from CPAC. That's this con conservative think tank talk shit. Milo Yiannopoulos resigns from his editorial position at Breitbart. Oh no, all those poor interns. Oh, what all, what, what are those 42 8chan pedophiles gonna do? Oh no. And he loses his $250,000 book deal. 
Meaning, not only has he lost a platform to to spew his scree, he also has to pay back his advance in full. God knows how much of it he spent already. Um, as the days go on, I hope that we all get to continue watching Milo Yiannopoulos get stomped the fuck out of existence. Here, here. He and his ilk deserve nothing but ostracization and misery. Um, and all this is well and good, but none of this can top what is easily uh, his greatest and most embarrassing failure. And this is what I'm going to end it on. I'm so excited. In 2007, <laughs> he self-published a book of poetry. Oh, yay. Almost entirely plagiarized from oh. Tori Amos lyrics. Though the book makes no mention of this, he claims that the lyrics are repurposed. He compares it to sampling in music, which sort of gives away that he's lying because the actual term for what that style of thing would be is found poetry. Um, and he would have known that if he'd finished college. So I leave you with my personal favorite from this collection. Oh, a yes. poem simply titled Four Roman Numerals. careful. Violence is dangerous. I wanted to retire to a small French village, but they got it back. Quintessential victims got it all back. You don't realize you bring it on yourselves by being in the wrong. I unveil a statue I dedicated to myself, and I cry. That's my story. Fuck Milo Yiannopoulos. All this is alleged or whatever, because apparently he's real libelous. Um, yeah, none of this but, is real. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he's not... Okay, yeah, you guys, he's... Yeah, yeah you know what? Milo Yiannopoulos is not a bigot. He's not a pedophile. He's not a garbage businessman. It's just... He just almost certainly is that. Allegedly. 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 We're just having fun. <laughs> yeah, we're just. We hey, hey, Milo, we're just having. We're, we're just having some goose with our we're free speech. We're just using. Yeah, it's just using out. Just flexing our free speech muscle. Yeah. All right. Liam, it's time for my favorite part of the podcast. Mine self care too. corner. Uh, do you want to kick us off this week? Self care. I just thought you could do a little, little song there. Well, I'll, I'll say two things. One's just a quick, broad one. Hey, everybody out there, if you've ever been affected by Milo or his cronies, um, it's definitely not over, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will still have to deal with a lot of backlash and fallout and whoever comes next. But, like, I hope, I hope that his downfall has given you... Uh, as much pleasure as, as it has given me, and hopefully more. Uh, the second thing is I had a piece published about my inauguration day experience. I, I live in D.C. 
I went to a bunch of the protests. I was there when the police started to throw tear gas and flashbangs and riot grenades. And I wrote all about it. And that is on the website uh, Wit Exhibit and under the title, We Will Be Heard. So I, I hope you check it out and enjoy. Oh yeah, I had a bunch of people I really respect um, retweet my tweet and, and a bunch of people saw it. I got a bunch of new followers from that. And if any of you are listening, hey, y'all seem super duper nice and cool. And I'm very happy to have you. And here's your cool podcast we do. Hey! hey. Uh, for my self-care corner, it's much less exciting, but this week I walked a dog uh, named Henry, and he was real cute, and he had a hoodie that I got to have him wear. That's right, they make hoodies for dogs, and it's the greatest thing in the world, everyone. That's adorable. If you'd like to send in your self-care corner, it can be just a thing that brightens your day or your week. Email mediummajorspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, check out our website, MediaMajorsCast.com, and our Twitter handle, at MediaMajorsCast, for updates and fun stuff. Sure. Yep. We're in the process of some pretty cool things, so. Yeah. And as always, take it away, Tom. We'll be there for you. Thank you.